out there in podcast land. You have such a doubt once again in Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 187. Holy smokes. Our guest a little later on going 10 rounds of Rhino. She'll be competing next month on the Dana White Contender Series. Coming to us from Montreal, Quebec, Canada, 8-4 and four flyweight, Corinne Laframboy. It is a really fun interview. Can't wait for you guys to check that one out. So... Our intro and our schedule is as follows. This episode of CSWR is going to have our results from Dana White Contender Series. I'm so happy it's back on APB. <laughs> our co-main and main events uh, results from Bellator 298 plus a little bit of Rhino Gang Roundup. Yeah! Our full recap of UFC Vegas 78, our drops of the night. Picks for UFC 292, which I'm very excited for. Some Q&A with members of the Rhino gang. And then the aforementioned Corinne Laframboy is the latest fighter to go 10 rounds of Rhino. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and get our swim trunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. So, we had our dose of midweek violence, the return of Dana White Contender Series. Our first fight was uh, Kevin Borjas. Uh, who got the unanimous decision over Victor Diaz. Then our guy, Rhino Gang member Peyton Talbot, set the signature striking record from DWCS over Reyes Cortez and kicked his ass, and it was awesome. Uh, and that was at 135 pounds. He got the UD there. Then Cal Machado got the UD over Kevin Zafarski. Then a beautiful KO in the first round with a left hook for Tom Nolan over Bogdan Grodd. And then finally at 185 pounds, Cesar Almeida got the UD over Lucas uh, Fernando. And literally all five competitors who won got contracts. I kind of balk on the idea of the uh, <laughs> the guy the heavyweight getting a contract, but they must need bodies. So the other four guys deserved it. I'm not so sure about the heavyweight. That was a pretty terrible fight. And you know I'm a heavyweight stand. So coming from me, you know it holds some weight. So really fun return of DWCS on Tuesday. Look forward to the rest of the season. All right. Bellator 298 from Friday night was at Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Um, so we're going to do kind of the – Results plus a Rondo Gang roundup kind of combined. Not a great night for our guys at, <laughs> at 298 for Bellator. So our guy Jarrell Hodge lost to uh, Marcelli Alves by TKO in the first round. Uh, Josh Hill, uh, with a very close split decision loss to Kasem Kumasov. Our guy Alan Cruz lost to Alfie Davis by UD. Then a nice highlight, Sydney Outlaw. Uh, Ronald Gang got the win over Islam Madoff. Yeah, that's it. Mamedov. And then this was a, one of the rare uh, Rhino Gang versus Rhino Gang fights. We had Dalton Rasta versus Aaron Jeffrey. Aaron used his grappling to get the unanimous decision in that one. So giving Dalton his first loss. Then our homie Steve Big Tall, not Big Steve, Tall Steve Mowry lost to Valentin Moldovsky by UD. And then the main event was Logan Storley beating Brendan Ward by TKO in the second round due to ground and pound. So those are our Rhino Gang roundup and our Bellator 298 results from Sioux Falls, South Dakota on Friday. All right, let's go ahead and get into the meat of the matter, which was UFC Vegas 78 and APB. Everyone who listens to the show or knows me knows I love a definitive finish. And this had lots <laughs> Of those, so I was stoked. Yeah. So our first fight was at 150, excuse me, 125 pounds. We had Luana Santos versus Juliana Miller. Miller like runs across the cage like she's about to like you know impose her will. She she landed a couple punches and then from that point, Santos stunned her bad with an overhand right. Then they were both just winging punches. Not much was landing, but it was fun. And then one actually caught Juliana again on the chin, hurt her. Um, and then Santos landed a beautiful three or four punch combination, which ended Juliana Miller's night in the first round. Sloppy, yes. Not very technical, yes. 
Fun? Yes. <laughs> that was a good win for Luana Santos in that one. All right. Then coming over our first Rondo Gang member, which we had many on the card last night, Damon Blackshear and Jose Johnson. Uh, two body kicks early for Damon, and then a beautiful uh, couple of punches landed. Then that kind of knocked Jose kind of off balance. So then Damon was able to get the uh, takedown, slides over, takes his back. And then the ultra rare, I believe they said the only third time that's ever happened third. in the UFC, gets the twister. It's a twister. It's a twister. twister. He got it <laughs> Love on a him, twister. And he tapped him out. And so Damon Blackshear, Rano, gang, 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 gets another win in the UFC via first round submission. Super awesome. All right. Moving into 115 pounds with Jacqueline. Amorim versus Montserrat Ruiz. Um, not the most exciting fight, you know what I mean? There was a lot of there was a lot of takedowns, a lot of top control. There was a really nice head kick uh, at one point, but essentially um, Amorim was doing a lot of top control. Ruiz had a little bit of top control in the third, but then Amorim reversed it, landed some beautiful ground and pound to finish it off. She almost finished it the second, took it to the end of the third, finished off Montserrat Ruiz by TKO via ground and pound in the third round. All right. Getting into our fourth fight, Josh Parisian, Rhino Gang versus Martin Boudet. Holy smokes, dude. <laughs> Martin Boudet, for being as big as he is and not having the um, physique that we think of when we think of most guys, really put on a great performance as far as being able to move forward, landing a ton of punches. He pushed Josh up against the cage a bunch of times, landing inside you know, inside knees, uppercuts, punches, elbows over the top. Martin Boudet really ran through Josh Parisian. Um Eventually, you know, putting on the, they went to the ground, got the Kimura, pulled Josh away from the cage, got the Kimura secured, got the tap in the first round. So big win for Martin Boudet. It looks like he's going to be at 115. 115, yeah, right. That's That'd be the size of his leg. It's going to be in the top 15 of 265 pounds uh, coming up very soon with a big win over Josh Parisian. All right. Moving into one of my favorite fights of last night, Isaac Dolgari and Ronald Gang 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 making his UFC debut against Francis Fire Marshall. Dude, Isaac got a takedown right away, really showed that top pressure, was landing some short elbows, and then he, once he was able to kind of posture up, landing huge ground and power, got the TKO in the first round for Isaac, the Midwest Chapa Dolgari in that one. Wow. What to say about the kid? You're making your, you know, you're making a UFC debut, and you come in and perform like that. Wow, that was really awesome. Sh huge shout out to Isaac uh, for that one. Rhino Gang, Gang, Gang. All right, staying with the Rhino Gang theme. So there's like three more Rhino Gangs in a row. So I'll try to limit my Rhino Gang, Gang, Gang. <laughs> so Terrence McKinney, you know, he's coming off. He was only off for like last month or something, and then he uh, he lost last month. Wanted to get back in the cage. He's going up against Mike Breeden on late replacement. Huge body shots for Terrence. Uh, he was landing some really nice knees to the body from the clinch and then just kind of really started to pour it on landing punches kicks knees everything against mike breeden got the tko in the first round at 155 pounds for terrence mckinney t-rex as he's known all right getting another one of my most favorite fights from last night marcus mcgee versus jp bays a clean one two early for marcus and then dude he plants takes a step forward, and throws a straight two that lands right on J.P. Bay's face, knocks him down. He was knocked silly. TKO in the first round, and then one of the more – he's one of the best guys in the in, in the whole organization. Marcus McGee on the mic, he's the most humble. He is so thankful to his teammates and everybody else. I mean, he's just a wonderful, wonderful guy. Love that he's been on our show, and I love that he's originally from Detroit. Marcus McGee, we love you, broski. Congratulations on your win. All right. Getting in 185 pounds, we had Josh Fremd versus Jamie Pickett. This one, first of all, 
unfortunately, Josh Ronald Gag missed out, uh, missed weight by I believe it was two and a half pounds. So he's going against uh, going in there against Jamie Pickett. A lot of wall wrestling in this one, and everybody knows how I feel about wall wrestling and like extended clinch work. But there was a lot of it. Uh, nothing major happened. No. Um, no devastating strikes, no drops or anything like that. But Josh Fran clearly controlled the majority of the fight. Got the UD over Jamie Pickett in that one. All right. Moving in 100, both staying at 185 pounds. We had A.J. Dobson versus Tafan uh, Jukwi. Tafan missed weight also by two or three pounds. Again, this was a tale of like, this was leg kicks, man. A.J. Dobson was just landing kick after kick after kick over and over and over again. Tafan likes to do the huh, rah. <laughs> and he was throwing him hard, but he wasn't landing very much. AJ was just kind of consistent most of the way through. Uh, he did get a late takedown with some ground and pound, but he got the unanimous decision in that one over to Fon and Jukwi um, at 185 pounds there. All right. Moving into the very pretty Pollyanna Viana versus Ismail Lucindo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you were tricked by her beauty. I was, I was, yes, I was brought in. And she she put a spell on me. <laughs> <laughs> so Pollyanna Viana versus Ismael Lucindo. Um, the first round, you know, uh, some not not too much happened. Second round, Lucindo hurt Viana with a nice shot. Um, took her down, got some top control, put on the arm triangle, got the submission in the second round for Ismael Lucindo over Pollyanna Viana in that one at 115 pounds. Okay, moving into. A, 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 another another painting done by Khalil Roundtree because Khalil Roundtree is an artist and he's an artist of violence and mm -hmm. I'm here for all of it. Khalil Roundtree versus the Chris the Chris Dawkins versus Chris Dawkins moving down <laughs> uh, from 265 to 205 pounds. Uh, he looked good in there to be honest. He landed a couple really hard shots early. So yeah, Khalil Roundtree, what a performance! What an incredible. Uh, way to get back in there and put a stamp on what we all know you can do, and that's knock mother truckers out, and you did another prime example of that. So big win for Kilo Roundtree at 205. I do think we've seen the last of uh, Dalkus probably in the UFC, but well, that remains to be seen. All right, getting into what's an unfortunate situation, APB, because when you have a fighter that we he's so universally loved. We all love Cub Swanson. He, he has been such an incredible fighter over the years. Uh, mostly at one, you know, one forty-five. He had a little foyer and one thirty-five. But Cub Swanson is someone who's been around for forever, going back to the WEC days. He's going against a young, hot prospect like Hakeem Dawadu. And Hakeem won the fight last night. I mean, really, he won the fight with the punches, with the takedowns, with the damage. Cub had a couple nice moments, and I think the third is maybe arguable. But, dude, Hakeem Hadawadu really should have won at least two of the three rounds. Unfortunately, the judges, we all know that the judging these last few years has just been really, really bad. Hakeem Dawadu kind of got robbed last night. I usually don't use that word, but I really think he did. I don't I even, think he got robbed. I watched I do. the first round again, and Cub for sure won the first one, and Hakeem for sure won the second one, and it, the argument <coughs> probably isn't the third. I think it was closer than than it looked like watching it because it looked different today when I watched it. But, yeah, I thought Hakeem won too. So, uh, Hakeem Dawadu kind of, even, even Cub thought Hakeem won. Yeah, was, that was so he funny. He was clapping because for him. Did you think that he won that? He was like, no. 
<laughs> but that just shows you what a great guy Cub is. So again, yeah, it, yeah. It, it cushions the blow on what you think was the wrong decision when it's such a great guy. Well, uh, yeah, and I said in the group chat last night, remember, I was like, you know, I mean, if I if there's going to be bad decision, I'd rather it be in this fight. <laughs> <And> there was <laughs> bad decision yeah, totally. making. <laughs> totally. So, yeah, big uh, big win for Cub Swanson. We'll wait and see what happens next for him. Um, you know, sorry to Hakeem Dawadu. I thought you won. A lot of people did, too. All right. Getting into our main event, which was Vincente Luque coming off a very long layoff. You know, he had an injury to the brain. He had other injuries. The dude's been through it going against RDA, like you know, a pillar of the UFC over the last decade. Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos. <clears throat> Not the most exciting fight in the world, APB. There was a ton of um, a ton of time against the cage where Vincente Luque would have RDA press up against the cage and he would drop down like a squat position and try to pull him out from the ankles. There was a lot of, you know, really tough back and forth grappling, not a ton of striking, not a ton of submission attempts. There was a couple of gilly attempts by RDA. Um, obviously Vincente Luque was the aggressor. As far as the grappling goes, he was, you know, he was engaging more than RDA. RDA was on the defense a lot. I'm really kind of just trying to wrap this one up pretty quickly because it was not the most entertaining fight or exciting fight I was okay with that though. Cause I was so worried about his brain. <laughs> You want Vincente Luque to be okay because that's your you're a good person. That's oh why. yeah, well well he's one of my favorites too, you know, and I don't want anybody to you know get hurt like that. So sure. I personally don't think he should fight for a, a long time if ever. But if he decides to, I sure, I don't want him to get hit anymore. Well, he barely got hit last night. <laughs> that was a good one. So Vincente Luque got the uh, unanimous decision over five against RDA in that one. All right, that is our recap of UFC Vegas seventy eight. So let's get into our drops of the night. I've got two, and I've got one coming from last night's UFC card and one coming from the world of boxing. So I'll get started with that. The first one, obviously, Rhino Gang Gang Gang, Marcus McGee with that straight shot on J.P. Bays, knocking him down. He didn't knock him clean out, but it knocked him silly. He tried to get up, and he went careening into the fence. So Marcus McGee gets our first drop of the night, and then kind of the honorable mention from the other sport that we cover here and there from the sport of boxing, Anthony Joshua against Robert Hellenus. Oh my gosh, huge cracking shot. Knocked him down and out. I believe it was the 7th or the 8th or the ninth. I'm not sure, but it was later on in the fight. But big KO for Anthony Joshua. And man, was it clean. APB, do you have a different drop of the night for us? No, I picked Marcus McGee too. We love Marcus McGee. Ronald Gang Gang He really is one of my favorite, not just fighters, but like people. Uh, yeah. He was so awesome on our show and he's just been nothing but fantastic in everything I've ever seen him in since. So yeah, all love to Marcus McGee, man. We love you, buddy. All right. Well, we, as we know, this train keeps on a roll, and we got a good card next week. It took a little bit of a hit with Cody Garbrandt, you know, being out, because I was looking forward to seeing him fight. However, we've still got some good fights, so we don't know who the next opponent, if they're going to find a late replacement for Mario Batista is. So we're going to have four picks for the main card for next week's UFC 292. First of all, I've got Neil Magny beating Ian Machado at 170 pounds by UD. I think... Ian Geary Machado is probably the more exciting fighter, but we all know what Neil Magny does. He pulls you up against the cage. <laughs> he slows it down. He throws little shots. We're going to take down here and there, and he really makes it boring and slow and effective. So Neil Magny, UD over Ian Geary Machado. What about you, APB? Well, I hate a Neil Magny boring fight. So I'm picking Gary by TKO in round two. Well, we'll see what happens on that one. All right. Then this one should bring the fun. Marlon Chito Vera versus Pedro Munoz. I've got Chito Vera winning by TKO in the second round, and it's going to be in a combination with the left hook 
is what's going to drop Pedro Munoz. So Chito Vera, left hook, TKO, round two. What about you? I have Chito with the head kick KO in round three. We love a head kick around here. All right. Moving into the first belt being defended that night, we got uh, Weili Zhang over Amanda Lemos. I think Zhang Weili is going to beat her soundly, but she's not going to finish her. I think Lemos is going to hang in there. So I've got UD5 for Zhang Weili in that one. What about you? I have her for a rear naked choke in round three. All right. So we got a sub for her on that one. Okay. And then finally, our 135-pound belt, bantamweight is being defended. I've got Aljamain Sterling beating Sugar Sean O'Malley by TKO via ground and pound in the third round. That's TKO3 GMP for Aljo over Sugar Sean. What say you co-host with the most APB? This is hard for me because I want to see Sterling lose, but I also want to see O'Malley get beaten up. <laughs> so I'm going to pick, just for shock value, I'm going to pick O'Malley <laughs> with the KO in round shock one. Value. <laughs> but I really want to see him get beaten up, so I won't be mad if, if Sterling beats him up. So you won't be mad if Sterling beats him up. However, we're going to see probably that happen. All right. So let's go. Let's get out of our picks for next week's UFC 292. Let's get into some Q&A with some members of the Rhino Gang. And our first one comes from the Juicy Fruit, baby. Juicy Fruit, baby. What do you got for us this week, dude? What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Rhino, the Rhino gang. This, I know, this is I know. juice. <laughs> I know it is. But Jim didn't send in a question, and I did, so I had to, I had to get oh it in there. God, so and funny. I knew that Juice wouldn't mind if I did it on his question. <laughs> so, really, what Juice says is, question for the show. Amanda Serrano just defeated Heather Hardy in a rematch of their fight from 2019. Bad. The the fight that everyone wants to see next for her is Alicia Baumgartner. If they do meet, how do you see a fight like this going down? It would be bad news for Baumgartner, dude. Alicia's a very skilled 126-pound boxer, 14-1. She's got seven TKOs, seven decisions. You look at that compared to Serrano, dude. Serrano is 45 and 2 with 30 wins by KO and has fought like in seven or eight weight classes. So she's had a much better, um, you know, competition as far as what's on her resume. If they do scrap, I think Amanda beats Alicia by a late TKO, but she is going to batter her, um, I think, from rounds maybe three, four, five, six, and seven uh, from that point. I think from the early two or three, maybe four rounds, Baumgartner will hang in there pretty well. And then Amanda will just start to pull away and land at will. So, yeah, I think Serrano would just really beat up Alicia at this point. So I don't know if that fight's going to happen. We'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, that's how I see that one going, Juice. So Juice with back-to-back boxing questions over the last couple weeks. That's interesting. So Juicy Fruit Bebe, you can check him out on the Friendly Sparring Pod. A lot of fun over there with those guys. All right. Thank you, Juicy Fruit Bebe. All right. Let's get into our next one, which comes from the Bionic Dean Dog. Dean Dog, what do you got for us this week, my motorcycle riding madman? Dean says, it's a good time to appreciate the aging, weathered, beaten, but never broken warriors. Appreciate the fighters. We seem to forget how great some were until they're gone. Who are some of your favorite retired UFC fighters from any era? A lot of those words can be used to describe the old rhino, aged, weathered, (laughs) broken down. (laughs) 
So everybody listens. Right? Everybody listens to the show knows my number one all time favorite fighter is Chuck Liddell, but. There are tons of fighters who have retired from the UFC over the years that I was like a massive fan of. So I'll do um, another 10 for like a clean list. Um, so besides Chuck. So we'll go with uh, George St. Pierre, Forrest Griffin, Anderson Silva, Dan Henderson, affectionately known as Hendo, uh, Daniel Cormier, Josh Barnett. I was a huge fan of the babyface assassin back in the day. Chris Lights Out Lytle. I know that was a little bit of a curveball, but I used to love how Chris Lytle fought um, – he, he lost a lot, but he also he brought it every time, and he was always punching. And so I was appreciated about Chris Lights Out Lytle. Of course, Robbie Lawler is one of my favorite. Nick Diaz, Randy Couture, Cowboy. Um, so these are all some of my favorites who have retired. But, yeah, I definitely Chuck Liddell is always going to be number one for me, dude. That's for sure. And you're right, dude. It is hard to watch guys, um, you know, get to the end of their career and kind of be shells of their former self. But I saw it for so long in boxing, I feel like I'm prepared to watch it it doesn't hurt me as emotionally as much as it used to but yeah great question dean thank you very much we hope you're healing up my dude all right let's go ahead and get into our next one which comes from the homie fabian also known as the man of mayhem fabian what do you got for us this week dude fabian says alex Bahia teased today that a fight announcement is coming soon do you think he fights yuri prohaska for the vacant 205 belt and if so how do you think that fight goes yeah, my dude, I do think there's a strong chance that that is what's going to be announced and what's going to happen, and I am all for it. You want to talk about two incredible kick ba- kick base, kickboxing base fighters who are both massive. You look at what Pajeda looks like now, dude, now that he's not cutting back to, to, to 85. He is walking around at like 235. He's huge. He's like six foot five. You know what I mean? So him and you are both huge guys for the weight class. Um, they're both super creative strikers really really skilled on the feet you know they both can do what they need to do on the ground but like we really know if they get in there it's going to be a striking match which i'm also looking forward to for sure you what about what a difference of like personality yuri is this crazy samurai who kicks down trees and submerges himself in ice cold water he's like a this is a really out there crazy dude and then you look at pajeda who's just like mr one note you know what i mean super calm cool collected personality doesn't smile very much He's just really mellow and even keel. So I love the contrast of this fight. I think it would be a car wreck um, for as long as it's going to last. So right now I'm leaning toward Alex, not because I think he's necessarily like the much better fighter, but just, but Yuri is coming off that really bad injury. He's been on the shelf for a long time. So right now I'm leaning towards Alex. You know, maybe if I see some footage of how Yuri is looking and moving and hitting bags and stuff, maybe I'll adjust it. But yeah, right now I'm leaning towards Alex Pajeda. Uh, in that one, but I really hope that's what happens. That's going to be an awesome fight. So thank you very much, my broski man of mayhem. Okay, let's get into our fourth little because of our dude, MMA by Milliken. Milliken, what do you got for us this week, brother? Milliken says, my question is, what are your thoughts on Anthony Joshua needing a seventh round to finish Robert Hanilius? Also, do you like the PFL tournament <coughs> format? They want to call it seasons, but it's really just a tournament. So first question first, AJ is a very good heavyweight with like big size, like six six. He has an Adonis like physique and he's a very strong puncher. I've never seen that true like killer instinct out of him, right? I thought that the loss uh, to Andy Ruiz was, I don't know, maybe kind of a tell of we're not maybe he wasn't what we thought he was. I'm I'm not so sure. Robert Hellenis is a good uh, I should say he's a decent heavyweight. He's very tall at six foot seven, so he was like size appropriate to fight AJ. 
he really lacks defense. So AJ probably should have gotten him out there earlier. But as far as like how he finished him, it was a thing of beauty. So I'm not going to hate on him too much because that was one of the best KOs we've seen in a long time uh, in boxing. So yeah, he should have probably got him out of there earlier. But the way they got him out of there was so good. I'm going to really kind of give him a pass on that one. And then as far as the PFL, I love the PFL. And here's the reason why. I just think there has to be some alternative. There has to be alternative content to the UFC in order for MMA to keep growing the way that it should. Uh, and it's something different. It's something unique. The smart cage is a cool idea. There are some things about it that are really interesting that I enjoy watching about the PFL. Here's what I would change. I need the PFL to have more content. So you need to add a couple more weight classes, which I think they're going to probably do, whether the merger with Bellator happens or not. And then also, and I know Filthy Casual, when she filled in co-host, she kind of laid it out like the reason they don't allow elbows is because it is tournament format and they don't want people to get too many cuts. But look, it's MMA. You got to have elbows in MMA, dude. So bring on elbows, bring on more weight classes, more shows, more content. And yeah, I'm all for the PFL being really successful. Again, whether they stand alone or whether they do merge with Bellator, which it looks like may or may not happen. I'm not sure. But yeah, dude, I really hope that they are successful moving forward because I think they're cool and unique. So those are my answers on that one, Milliken. Thank you very much, my dude. All right. Let's get into the homie, the Rangers sweet potato from up in Canada way. RSP, what do you got, homie? RSP says, Sean Strickland is a loudmouth beta who likes to talk shit bully people and make everyone think he's a bad man with bad intentions but when it comes time to fight he's pretty much all bark khalil roundtree jr on the other hand is low-key unassuming nerd who will do absolutely everything in his power to inflict maximum pain and suffering and make you quit a quiet killer if you will who are some of your favorite quiet killers in combat sports past and present great question homie now so there have been several and i'm going to stick with just mma for this one, but like the names that I came up with are these Carlos Condit. Whoa, my God. You want to talk about a quiet killer? I mean, I know he's a, the, the natural born killer, but a quiet, unassuming guy who was a straight killer in the cage, Carlos Condit. Same exact kind of guy. Jose Aldo, dude, he barely would say a word, just kind of a quiet smile. He didn't have that badass scar on his face, but you want to talk about like a, a quiet killer? Jose Aldo, for sure. Robbie Lawler absolutely falls under that description for sure. Uh, the Noguera brothers, both of them absolutely unassuming killers. Fedor Emelianenko, probably the most of them all, the most quiet guy who's going to come out there and mess your face up. Uh, Jeremy Horn, he's kind of a throwback a little bit. He didn't, you know, he didn't say much. He was kind of this quiet, nerdy, unassuming guy. They called him Gumby. He was a huge Simpsons fan, just kind of a nerd who, uh, you know, was an amazing fighter. And then lastly, Kazushi Sakuraba, dude, the Gracie Hunter, very respectful, didn't say much, very quiet, unassuming guy. And all of these guys fall into that quiet, low-key personality. But when that cage door was locked, they were either looking to knock your fucking head off your body or take your arm, rip it right out of the socket and take it home with them. So, yeah, all those guys fall into that category. What a fun question. Thank you very much, RSP, my brother. All right, let's get in my homie, the Doc. Doc, what do you got for us this week, dude? Doc says, you've made your opinion well-known about loving definitive finishes. I have. I have done that. And there were lots (laughs) last night most of which were in the first round. What do you think is the perfect <clears throat> length of a fight before the finish? Oh, okay, dude. So, yeah, my favorite time for a finish in an MMA fight is the last couple minutes of the second round. That way we get to see the fight go for a while. 
Uh, the person who lost can't say, oh, they just got caught early. They weren't ready. They weren't into it. They can't use that excuse. Um, or we didn't get to see what they were capable of, right? Both fighters have had time to impose their game plans. Both have had time to get tired and recover. They both have had a chance to get some advice and some um, game plan adjustments from their corners because they've had a chance to sit on the stool for a minute and, you know, get that. So I really like the end of the second round KOs, submissions, TKOs, any definitive finish towards the end of the second. That's really my favorite because I find too many times in the third. And, and again, we've had some phenomenal fights that went to the third, fourth, or fifth round. But I'm just saying overall, uh, we've had too many fights in the third round where we're not seeing the same fighter that we saw in the first and the second, whether it was fatigue or if they've caught an injury or whatever the case, right? Or if somebody's up two rounds to nothing, they don't want to put themselves in danger. for You know what I mean? So I really like a definitive finish towards the end of the second round. So that... Is my answer on that one, Doc. Thank you very much, my guy. Okay, let's go ahead and get into our last one, which comes from our homie, D-Kron's. D-Kron's, what do you got for us this week, dude? D-Kron says, sitting here trying to think of a question, and I'm stuck <clears throat> on that Cub Hakeem decision. I'm so angry and sad, LOL. My question for you, Rhino, is can you cheer me up today? All love, gang gang. So I'm going to try, buddy. I'm going to try. So here's a funny joke. That I heard a few weeks ago on the Bad Friends podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and give them the, the credit where credit is due. So there's an old man walking down the street. And he sees this kid jumping up and down on a box in the middle of the road. And the kid's yelling, 16, 16, 16. And the man finds this very strange. So he goes over and he goes, what are you doing, kid? And the kid goes, oh, my God, I have discovered the most fun game ever. It is so cool. All you got to do is stand on this box in the middle of the street and yell 16 and jump up and down. And the old man is kind of like perplexed, like, really? That's a lot of fun. He's like, oh, yeah, you got to try it. So the guy's like, okay, I'll give it a shot. So the guy goes onto the box. He stands up on it. He jumps as high as he can. He yells, 16. The kid pulls the box out from underneath. And the man falls down the manhole cover. The kid puts the box back over the manhole cover, jumps up on the box, and goes, 17, 17, 17. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a joke for you, D. Cross. I hope it made you laugh. I hope it cheered you up, buddy. You know how much we love you. Rhino gang, gang, gang. Okay, APB. If uh, we have nothing further, let's go ahead and get into our 10 rounds of Rhino with Corinne Laframboy after a quick word from our sponsor, K&R Designs. Hey, Rhino gang. Are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? Well, look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. 
Our fight fan with ourselves and our fantastic guest going 10 rounds and running with us this week. Eight and four flyweight jujitsu ace competing September 5th on Dana White Contender Series. Our good friend, Kareen Laframboy is here. Kareen, thank you so much for joining us today, my friend. My pleasure. Nice talk. Good to meet you. <laughs> Yo, no, we are so happy to have you on. So basically, Kareen, the first round with Rana was we love to hear the origin story. How'd you first get involved in this crazy, wacky world of MMA, my friend? Oh, I, first of all, it was with uh, jiu-jitsu. I started with jiu-jitsu uh, more about 10 years ago. And, uh, man, I fell in love with that sport. I, I started with, uh, uh, by doing class. I was actually, I was doing a boxing class. And on the other side, there was a jiu-jitsu class. And a small little guy of 125 pounds was able to choke a big guy of 200. Uh, nothing about the big guy of 200, but I, I was impressed with that. Uh, so I say for a woman, it's perfect uh, to be able to, to work in that sport. So I start jiu-jitsu and in jiu-jitsu, you need to uh, pay for all your competition, need to pay for the flight tickets, the entrance, la la la. And uh, I decide to join the, the I, I want to be paid for, for doing what I love in life. So I decide to do the transition with professional mixed martial art right away. Uh, so I, I turned pro MMA fighter. That, that's a, a resume of my story. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fantastic. Yes. So your next scrap is going to be on Dana White Contender Series, September 5th. You'll be fighting Rain Guerrero. What, yes. if anything, do you know about her and what you'll need to be ready for uh, to be prepared for that night? But as uh, it's the same for all my opponents. We watched the, uh, the record that we have on on the on her just at the beginning of the training camp so i watch what she's doing and uh, how she is on the stand-up how she is on the ground and uh, after that it's done it's going to be my game i decide when i want to bring the fight i decide when i want to if we want to box if we want to shoot and bring her on the ground uh, so uh, we have a big uh, big uh, image or a big photo of the big picture of the what she's doing and uh, after that, it's going to be uh, me who decide to to do this. To, imposing to bring that imposing yeah. your will. Yes, I love exactly. to hear it. Absolutely. Exactly. So as you can hear, uh, Corinne is not exactly from the States. Corinne nope. is from the beautiful <laughs> no, country. No, no, no. <laughs> it's from Quebec, beautiful, Canada. So right. It's from that. beautiful Montreal, Canada. Montreal yeah. has such a rich history of MMA. Uh, if you want to talk about some fighters, fighters that I've had on my show, like John Mcdessey, Iman Zahabi, you know, who I've talked to, uh, you want to talk about guys from the history, Patrick Cote, Valerie, yeah. you know, Valerie, uh, David Loazzo, the Crow, one of the goats of all time, GSP, so many guys, plus having a huge mega gym like TriStar has had so many other UFC, Bellator, PFL fighters who have come through Montreal over the time. But you've kind of been there, you know, from the beginning, so you've seen the progression that Montreal, the scene of MMA has had in Montreal. What would you say has been the biggest difference and how much it has grown? I don't know, maybe the last 10 years or so. How, have you, how much have you seen it grow? Nah, I don't know what's, uh, what's wrong with people in Montreal, but uh, we have, a, as you said, a bunch of, uh, of nice, good, great fighters, like, as you said, Georges St-Pierre, uh, Pat Cote, and uh, Val Letourneau. Val is one of my good friends. She was the first to sign with the UFC, or first Quebecois to, to sign with the UFC, and 
Uh, I'm gonna be the second, to you, so let's go. We continue oh, on yeah. that, uh, oh, that yeah. uh, way. So we have uh, Charles Jordan, uh, who's uh, actually help me, helping me, and he's gonna be with me uh, in Vegas for that uh, fight. He's actually fighting in the UFC. She is really good. Not she. He is really good, and uh, like a bunch of bunch of fighter. We have a good crowd. I don't know if people are mean here in Montreal or <laughs> what's wrong with that, but. Uh, yeah, good. Uh, uh, a big bunch of fighter. I feel like it's what's right with you, not what's wrong with you. And yeah. you've chosen this amazing, <laughs> amazing path. And there's been so many. That's funny. You said Charles Air Jordan. I have him written down on that list. I just didn't say it. I don't know why. I must have skipped it over. But yeah, he was definitely on my list of Quebecois uh, fighters on that one. But yeah, what an amazing. That's so cool. That you and Valerie are friends and that Charles Air Jordan is helping you. And yeah, I just think MMA has been such a huge part of the. What, what we think of when we relate to Montreal, you know, there's just been so many great fighters out of there. So, yeah, I'm yeah. definitely on board. And we can't wait to see the next crop, which you are going to be the spearhead of, which is going to be awesome. Now, you've won fights, and I'm going to call you accurate. <laughs> you have won fights in a multitude of ways, both in striking and big submissions. I particularly love the arm bar from that Swedish girl over at UAE Warriors. That's one of my yeah. favorites that I've seen. Um, <laughs> is there one that sticks out for you as a favorite that you've had over time? Um, I'm not sure to understand the right the question. If I have uh, a special submission or if I have a, a special, what's the question? Yeah, if you, if you have a if you have a favorite a favorite way that you finish one of your fights. For sure, the submission are my favorite way to finish a fight. Like nothing more uh, gratifying than the opponent decide to uh, to let go. Like she decide to quit. So uh, submission, it's one, one of my favorite way to finish the fight. I like to finish the fight period. If there's a cold knockout, uh, I'll take it. It's, uh, if it's ground and pound, no problem either. But submission, like, no, uh, I don't have any favorite one. But, like, the, the feeling of the opponent decide to quit, huh? Nothing to she she cannot say it's a lucky punch or it's a no 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 you decide to quit we see you tap so <laughs> I like that uh, I like that and with uh, Carolina Jimenez the last one for my uh, for the belt in UAE Warriors ah it was a great feeling because I try so hard to finish that harm bar and like the uh, I thought her her harm's gonna break but no she's like an elastic one so. Uh, <laughs> We do the tra we did the transition to the triangle, so that that was uh, one of my uh, one of my best one, I think. One yeah, definitely. And it, it, yeah, you, you, when yeah. you watch you on the ground, you're really good at chaining submissions together. If one's not working out, you're so skilled at the submission game the that you're transition. able to transfer to the next thing, transition to the next thing. If that's yeah. not working, transition to the next thing. So that's yeah. one of the most impressive things when watching you on the ground. Of course, that comes from your phenomenal jujitsu background. So great answer on that one, my friend. Now. Here's one that I come up with with fighters who don't have nicknames. I like to at least give you some options. I'm not saying you should take any of these. I just want you to consider them or think about them. And they are they are all of French nature. So the first one, the Queen of Quebecois. La Queen. La la reine des Quebecois. Queen of Quebecois. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Yes. Okay, that's one. And then the next one would be Petit Monstre. Which is little monster. A pretty most little monster. Okay, okay, I consider it too. I prefer then, the first uh, one, but for the ego, it's uh, maybe uh, too much. Queen of Quebecois. <laughs> <laughs> the third one is. The third one is, Tanas 
which is tenacious Korean tenace. Lafran boy. Yes, tenacious. 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 Eight on ten for that one. The other one, it was a nine on ten. So. <laughs> so just kidding. I'm saying, yeah, I'm not saying you should take any of them. I'm just saying these are just suggestions from your good friend La Rhino. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds super good. <laughs> right, very cool. So we have to have balance in our lives, Corinne. We have to have time away from the cage, away from fighting, away from training. What are some things you like to do just for downtime, just to relax, calm the mind, and kind of reset before your next uh, time getting back into training? But I don't know if it's kind of relaxed, but I, I am in totally different uh, field. Like I study to be dental hygienist. So when I work at the dentist, the, the the people are totally different. It's not like little man on testosterone who's working at the gym. It's different kind of people, uh, clearly. So I'll say uh, I find my, my balance with the dental hygienist. Like it's more calm, more nine to five works. So I, I'm not working. Uh, uh, it's different than at the gym. But if on my hobby, like I like to do a bike, motorcycle. So I like oh. that. A lot, yeah. The freedom of uh, uh, of that feeling, I, I love it. Um, I also, I, I'm doing like a stunt in movie, movie stunt. So it's different kind of uh, uh, work too. So it's, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, look what we just look what we just learned about you that you uh -huh. are a you are doing stunt work in movies. <laughs> yeah. I had no yes, idea about yes, that. Yes. I researched you for hours over this time, and I had no uh -huh. idea that you're doing movies over there. That is so cool! Wow, I can't wait to see one of your movies and then see you in the credits. You know, being mm -hmm. that, that'll be so neat. Wow, that's a very very cool thing. And I've had over 180 guests on this show, and you were the first to have oh, been a stunt woman in the part of the movie. But yeah, so that's very cool. So, uh, Corinne, one thing we have to do as part of professional fighters, we have to cut weight. It's just something that's not huh. anybody likes to do it, but it's just no. something that needs to be done. But put yourself in the mindset of we've already finished. You've already won the fight. You're out with your friends, your family, all your teammates. Everybody's ready to throw down on some really good dinner. What do you want to get that you've been depriving yourself of for the last six weeks and really indulge in? Like what I want to eat? That, yeah. That, yeah, what? I, I love meat. So a big steak for sure. Big steak and sweet potato french fry is going to be like this, <laughs> kind of, this kind of meal. And I'm not too sweet, uh, so it's uh, it's more about the a big piece of the thing. huh? Well, steak, yeah. steak, yeah, steak is absolutely a fantastic answer. And fun fact, fry. yeah, uh. the, the the potatoes, the sweet potatoes, I just planted my crop of sweet potatoes two weeks ago. Aww. So I'm hopeful in about three months I'm going to have more sweet potato fries than I know what to do with. So that's a uh, great answer. Send it <laughs> totally. to me right here. Like, yeah, you got it. I mean, that moment, like we are a couple of weeks before the fight, and I'm a, I look at food food porn and I take yeah. cream cream on the, <laughs> I'm at, on that moment, so it's gonna be I'm gonna enjoy that uh, that food after. Oh yeah, that's really so good. You should you should take a picture of it and post it on Instagram. Uh, as well, on the first meal after the fight. That's going to be so amazing. So, so Kareem, we have careened our way into the 10th round, which is just the easiest round of them all. Just share your social medias with us so my friends and my fans and my homies in the Rhino gang, we can all follow you along and, you know, keep tabs on your career moving forward. So just share your social media with us. Uh, yeah, on the social media, 
I have uh, on uh, Instagram, Corinne Laframboise. If you want to learn your French, Laframboise is my real family name. <laughs> Facebook, and uh, I have uh, the new thing, Thread, and uh, my TikTok. So uh, I, I'm a bit uh, active on social media. Very, very, unfortunately. Right. Very, very cool. Looks like we got a lot of avenues in which we can follow you along. We are really, really excited for you for to be competing on September 5th on Dana White Contender Series. We are all so convinced that you're going to go out there and do your thing and get that contract and be another member of the 125-pound division of the UFC. We are all cheered for you. We're all riding with you. And Corinne, best of luck and best of skill moving forward, my friend. Thank you very much, Ted. It was a pleasure to talk with you. <laughs> This is Corinne Laframboise, and I just did 10 rounds with Rhino. Corinne, thank you so much. That was awesome. We certainly appreciate you taking the time out. Best of luck and best of skill, and get that contract at Dana White Contender Series. We'll all be cheering for you, so thank you very much, my friend. Okay, let's get into our shout-outs and our outros to our forum contributors, to the Juicy Fruit Bebe, to the Bionic Dean Dog, the Motorcycle Riding Madman, to Fabian, the Man of Mayhem, to our Broski MMA by Milliken. Check out his podcast. Awesome stuff over there. To the Rage and Sweet Potato, to my homie, the Doc, to D. Kranz, to APB, the co-host with the Mo-host, to Ms. Fight Diva, Jillian, Chrissy, and Jason, my underdog MMA peeps, to Hunter, Sammy, Dylan, Cyrus King, Brett, Filthy Casual, Mike Morgan, Chisanga, Steffi, Gina, and Shannon from the PRG, Ashley, the MMA nerd, Tom and Sandy, of course, Pamela, Trouble, Monique, Andrea, Tori, my Rhino Gang GC, who mean the world to me, love you guys, to the future player, Drea, to D. Reigns, the best engineer in the biz, to um, our homie, who is our graphic designer, Jay, if you want to find him on Twitter at JMMA4 or on YouTube at JMMA. Awesome um, video game content over there with him. Really, really great stuff. And another fantastic poster for Corinne today. Thank you so much, Jay. We want to take a second to give a shout out and send love and send healing and hope and prayer and everything else to all of our homies out in Maui, Hawaii, who have been devastated by these wildfires out there. It's just What devastation to see the clips um, on Twitter and see the stories on the news and just horrible, horrible stuff. And we've had so many Hawaiian fighters on the show that like, I definitely feel for them and everybody else who's affected by this. So yeah, sending all our love and uh, healing over there to our friends in Maui. So we love you. Stay strong. And uh, we're thinking of you. Okay. And that kind of ties into what we say every week here, which is love is greater than hate. And we will see you next week. Cage Side!